Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. to yet another episode of the Bavarian Podcast Work Show. My name is Jake Fenner. I am joined today by Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Don't have the most energy in the world right now on this rainy, rainy New England day, as I know you can attest to as a fellow New Englander. Have just got done cramming down all of the Champions League and Europa League highlights in, uh, and I know that a lot of our listeners in the U.S. can attest who have actually gone into work. It's always very tough for me to catch all the action for the Champions League and the Europa League, because it's in the middle of the week, I've oftentimes wanted to quit my job just so I can be able to go home and watch the Champions League matches, especially Bayern. But nonetheless, I've crammed it all in and uh, just surviving out the rest of this day, I guess. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely with you there on the lack of energy front. Um, so today on the cards, later on we will be talking about uh, the upcoming international break, what it looks like for the various teams that have Bayern players on them, at least the ones that are controversial, meaning like they might have some trouble getting to playing games. But first and foremost, I kind of want to talk about this thing that we've been covering on the blog over the last week that, according to Sky, there's been a like a reported feud or a... like disagreement i guess between hansi flick and hassan salihamidic and differing things in terms of the way personnel decisions have been made lineup decisions have been made um and just various like power struggles it's not something that is unique to Bayern. It is not something that is unique to the Bundesliga, as Hertha Berlin fans can attest, uh, dealing with Jurgen Klinsmann and that whole debacle last year. But um, with a coach that is being more and more linked with leaving the club for the German national team as the days go by, it's a little bit concerning um from from a fan standpoint when you have a sporting director and a coach fighting now i'll just take the position of i think both of them were incredibly instrumental in bringing the sex tuple to the team over the last season or two and i think neither one is like any less important than the other of course Hansi does the day in and day out decision making but Brazo basically helps him to construct a team uh to borrow a basketball reference which may probably not be a good comparison for Brazo uh he's very much the Jerry Krause to uh Hansi Flick's Phil Jackson, which I guess might in this case make Lewandowski Michael Jordan, which I'm fine with that comparison. Um, anyways, Tom, what do you think about this? I'm, n- I'm not necessarily going to ask 
whose side you have because again these are reports these are not um indicators that things have actually happened and it's not like we would ever get something like that anyways well looking at this holistically they're obviously like the two of them have both played their part in coming out to the press and saying hey look you know the press is saying one thing, but this isn't how it is. You know, we have an uh, absolutely fine working relationship despite differences that we might have, which I think it's clearly obvious. We all know that the two have had their differences, particularly when it comes to the transfer market, Jake, as you were just mentioning. There's a couple players Hansi Flick really had his heart set on. There was a couple players uh, Hassan Salihamidzic had his heart set on. But what I say, this this we kind of have to backtrack here. You know, so much of this I just think has to do with the timeline. Right. I mean, so much has happened in the past, uh, let's say, 14 months. Right. So uh, on one aspect, I think you were having Hassan Salihamidzic, you know, last season, the beginning stages of last season, planning for a team, uh, a Niko Kovac team right before we let Niko Kovac go. And then come last November, that decision was made. Niko Kovac and his brother, uh, Robert, were gone and Hansi Flick was the uh, interim manager. And we didn't know at that point whether or not. Hansi Flick was going to be a permanent decision, how long he was going to be around, what other you know top-tier coaches were we going after, who would the manager of Bayern Munich be in a couple months' times, and we all know, obviously, what transpired. Hansi Flick got this team playing in absolutely sensational form, and the rest is history, and obviously, we put pen to paper on a, on a full-time contract for Hansi Flick, and then... You know, you kind of wonder behind the scenes, does Hassan Salihamidzic have to kind of change the way he's going after certain targets? And, you know, specifically the players, we all know, you know, Chuck has uh, ranted about this both on the blog and on podcast works as well. You know, Hansi Flick was one of the guys he really wanted Timo Werner uh, to come from RB Leipzig to Bayern, uh, as well as Kai Havertz, respectively, from Bayer Leverkusen. He was also big on Callum Hudson-Odoi and Serginio Des, but we all know what happened with all of those players. They all wound up going to Chelsea for uh, Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. Hudson-Odoi stayed at Chelsea, and Serginio Des wound up choosing Barcelona instead of us. Not to say that uh, Flick or Braza would have had the real difference factor, and for Des's sake, I know his heart was kind of set on Barcelona from what he has said himself. Um, but... So I just, I just, I don't know if you feel the same, Jake, but I feel the timeline just didn't help either of these guys at all. I know I remember reading and writing about how Oliver Kahn had to kind of play the mediator's role between the two when they had their differences in the transfer market. But obviously, as you said, both are incredibly instrumental in what they do. And we have to give Hassan Salihamidzic all the credit in the world. He was one of the chief architects for bringing Musiala to Bayern from Chelsea's uh, youth academy and uh, youth teams and... Not that Musiala has come out and said this, but he probably played a big role in getting Musiala to choose Germany instead of England as well, all things considered, if you want to look at it from, from that scope as well. And then you take coronavirus, which just completely you know, threw a, threw a bolt in everybody's plans. So that probably didn't make matters any easier. So when it came time to discuss transfer plans and squad planning and all that kind of stuff, the differences probably weren't helped at all by that finances changed the targets probably changed the plans changed and we know this summer was uh we finally got our main man in Leroy Sané from Manchester City but you could easily argue that some of the other transfers were not uh anyone that we would have wanted at the beginning of the summer if we had our choice but 
it is what it is. We wound up getting the players that we got, whether Flick had signed off on it or Brazo. Um, I know for the case of Buonasar, there was someone in Bayern Munich staff uh, who had signed off on it, so it wasn't necessarily either Flick or Brazo. But uh, so Jake, yeah, I don't know if you agree with that. Maybe the timeline didn't help them at all, but I would hate to pick sides because I know, as you said, how instrumental uh, both of them are to this club and the way it's run. Yeah, I. Looking back on who Hansi wanted to bring in, right, he wanted to not necessarily bring in Sané, he wanted to bring in hudson Adoy and Dest, as you mentioned, as well as Havertz and Timo Werner. Um, Bayern had been pursuing Leroy Sané for so long that I really, really doubt that they would have passed on him if given the chance. Um, in regards to Werner, I have no clue where he would fit into the squad, but I would also have liked to have seen him come to Bayern. Same with Havertz, but I don't know exactly where he would fit into the squad. Uh, in terms of Hudson, uh, in terms of Hudson Odoi and Serginio Dest, Dest has been okay for Barcelona. He hasn't been too fantastic, but it's not like uh, we would be buying Serginho Dest to be our new starting right back. He probably would have taken some time under Benjamin Pavard, fully developed, and then worked his way out into the starting lineup as opposed to Dest, who has kind of been given a raw deal and has been starting a lot of games for a Barcelona side that seem pretty toothless at this point. So I don't necessarily think that um, all of it is his fault. He wanted to go to Barcelona. He had said that he had always wanted to go to Barcelona. So I don't blame him for actually doing it. If it's your boyhood club, then go ahead and go to your boyhood club. Who wouldn't want to go ahead and do that? Uh, one of the things that I found interesting was that the report said that Byron, that Flick did not want Byron to sign Alexander Nubo and wanted to keep Sven Ulreich. Um, and I think this is an interesting uh, statement because while Sven is a legend because he was able to step up in a season where Manuel Neuer went down early with a season-ending injury and he managed to keep Bayern uh, up in the Pokal in the Champions League for as long as he could and then winning the title I I appreciate him for that but I don't necessarily know if keeping Ulreich or bringing in Nubel was the best idea, considering we have pretty good goalkeepers in Ron Torben Hoffmann and Christian Fruchtel down in the... Well, I guess Fruchtel is off at Nuremberg, but uh, Hoffmann is down with the second team. Uh, one other thing that I think was interesting was it, the report said that Flick wanted to be able to have a little bit of veto power over personnel moves, and the club didn't necessarily want that. Um, to me, if Hansi wants to go ahead and take control over personnel and selection decisions, then... Unfortunately, Bayern is not the place for him to do that. 
And I don't think many clubs in the Bundesliga are like that now. So if that, and it wasn't made clear, like which one was his major sticking point. If this is his major sticking point, he's not going to stay at Bayern this summer. If he's offered the DFB position, he is not going to stay at Bayern because if he's in charge of the DFB, he gets to make his own personnel decisions. He gets to lead one of the greatest sides in world football. And more importantly, he gets to go ahead and show his old boss, Joachim Löw, who was really instrumental and important in building that 2014 uh, World Cup winning side, right? It's like uh, Darth Vader once said to Obi-Wan Kenobi, when I left, I was but the learner, and now I am the master. So he has this opportunity to go ahead and prove that to the world. And if he's given that opportunity... I I think it's very hard for him to pass that up. What do you? Th- yeah, Jake. Now that you were mentioning all those points, it actually it kind of clicked in my head in the middle of when you were just speaking. It had kind of slipped my mind when I was speaking a few moments ago. I had completely forgot. So Hassan Salihamidzic, we can't forget, was actually promoted to the club's executive board as of July first uh, of technically last year over the summer, right? Uh, so technically, he's still the sporting director, but it's one of those bizarre German to English translations, Jake, where it was he had been promoted to the quote-unquote board director of sport on the executive board. Uh, and I had pulled up the piece that I, I had actually written in the beginning of June about this. And, you know, some of the tidbits that I had picked away from that, he really talked about how he was excited to take on the challenge of what squad planning was going to be like after coronavirus and the financial hit that all of the clubs had taken. And he talked about how Bayern would possibly be one club above others that benefits from that because of how sensibly they've been run for decades, uh, even longer than that. So and another thing I got was he had gone on about how he was all the information he had learned and all the things he had gained from Oliver Kahn and Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. Uh, and he had even said that he looks forward to him and Oliver Kahn being, quote-unquote, the next generation in management at FC Bayern. And, Jake, you were also talking about Hansi Flick and maybe wanting to have some veto power in the transfer market. We can't forget, too, I remember recently writing about Oliver Kahn and all of the visions he had for the future of the club when he takes uh, his position at the beginning of next year, uh, taking over for Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. You know, his whole thing was wanting more clarity across the club as a whole. He wants all voices to be heard across all departments of FC Bayern. He had put out that survey uh, about how people felt things were being run in all departments where they could improve. Um, So I think from Flick's perspective, in the back of his mind, he might feel that there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a hierarchy above him, which is something Oliver Kahn said he kind of wanted to uh, reform. Because we can't forget, too, even as honorary president, Uli Honus, I believe, has the veto power to veto a transfer if it exceeds a certain amount. I think the figure is like 25 or 30 million euro or or something like that. So there's a structure in place, and I feel uh, while its motives are good and usually they always make the right decisions, Flick, Jake, as you mentioned, especially if that Germany job is is put in front of him and, and teased to him, with all of those things, you know, all of the potential roadblocks he would face with Bayern's management structure, the supervisory board, the executive board, he might see a, a more clear path for him personally if he would assume that job. But 
when you were talking about all those things, that just kind of reclicked into my head. I had completely forgot about Salihamidzic's promotion to the executive board after uh, three seasons of being the sporting director, which he till still technically serves uh, as. But that's just a, another kind of two cents I wanted to add to that because I can totally see that from Flick's perspective. If you know he feels as if he doesn't get a, enough say in the overall hierarchy structure, so to speak. So, in terms of that, I'm I'm a little concerned if Flick leaves, but. I'm not entirely concerned because I imagine the board has a lot planned. They have a lot of money. They have the ability to go out and basically buy anybody out of their contract if they want them to, whether that's um, uh, Eric Ten Hag, whether that's Jurgen Klopp if they really wanted to, uh, or whether it's the man that's probably most likely linked with this job, uh, Julian Nagelsmann. So that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and move on and look to the international break. Uh, let's start with Poland, just because this one will be very quick and easy to get through. Um Robert Lewandowski is currently debating about whether or not he will go and play with the Polish national team. Uh, they're playing a game against England during this international break. Tom, what do you think about this situation, and what do you think that Lewandowski is probably going to be leaning towards? This is very, very difficult. Obviously, national team captain for Poland, but the current federal mandates state that Lewandowski would have to quarantine uh, upon re-entry into Munich after he got back from playing at Wembley. I know that the uh, Polish authorities, Polish government, have been working with the FA to try and get this match moved to a neutral venue. For whatever reason, uh, there hasn't been any progression on that front, so that match is still scheduled to take place at Wembley Arena in London, which poses a huge problem not only for him, but... Um, uh, why am I not thinking of his name? Uh, Piatek of Hertha Berlin, who would have to do the same thing uh, upon re-entry into Germany. So basically it comes down to, does he want to miss the England match to be able to partake in Bayern's trip to RB Leipzig on April 3rd? Assuming that a special uh, exception isn't made for him, uh, like has been made for the Premier League players that are German, which we'll discuss. Uh but it, it's very difficult, personally, for him to, to walk away and, and not be able to, to play against England, you know, uh, one of the toughest teams that's in the group with them. But realistically, I think their other two matches are against uh, Andorra and Hungary, which are more winnable. So at the end of the day, I think he'll make the right decision. I think, unfortunately, he will have to forego this match against England because he knows how important this match against Leipzig will be. And realistically, especially if you're a Polish fan or just a fan of Lewandowski doing well on the club and international level, you would hope that they can gain at least uh, four or six points from their opening two matches against Andorra uh, and Hungary. So that puts them in a more comfortable position uh, once this round of qualifiers ends in that group. So... Realistically, that's what I think that that's that's going to happen. But 
I do feel terrible that we, he would have to miss, miss excuse me, such a big game for his country. Lastly, let's go ahead and take a look at what we expect for Germany. So a recent report came out saying that the uh, Premier League allowed for and the DFB allowed for Premier League German players to travel to their games, which I believe both of them are being played in the German city of Duisburg. Now, whether or not they actually get called on, whether or not their clubs allow them to leave, uh, are entirely different things. And then also there comes the question of whether or not actually anybody will be called up from the uh, from the Premier League in order to play in these games, right? You have Timo Werner, you have people like Antonio Rudiger, uh, Kai Havertz. Uh, I know I just named three Chelsea players, but I'm sorry, I'm very tired and I can't exactly think of anybody else right now. Um, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Gundogan and then, yeah, uh, Bernd Gundogan, Leno, yeah. if he's yeah. a backup keeper. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Leno needs to necessarily come. He uh, he needs to go ahead and work on his uh, goalkeeping for Arsenal more than he needs to be worried about getting called up to the German national team, but that's just my opinion. Um and de- yes, definitely Ilkay Gundogan. I completely, again, I'm sorry, I'm very tired. Um, so, Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that Yogi Love will be calling many players up? You mentioned Gundogan, and he's been in fantastic form. Uh, do you think that he will get called up? What do you What do you see going forward from? Uh, the DFB and uh, with Yogi and his lineup decisions. I think as long as, I mean, Yakim Love would have obviously seen the, the report before we at BFW did. Not to discredit us, we got that story pretty quick. I think Chuck had written it. Uh, and so basically, uh, the, the, the players can submit a negative PCR test, you know, that's less than 24 hours old. Uh, they can essentially come back into Germany or travel anywhere in the UK or Great Britain, from what I understand. Um, And then daily tests, antigen rapid tests, uh, and basically working quarantine for any time spent outside of the the game or training operation. So basically that means there wouldn't really be any of that anyways because they're going to be with the team the whole time if they're called up, team meetings, team hotels, uh, bus, plane, whatever it may be. So I think Joachim Love would have looked at that uh, and, you know, I think all of those players that we had mentioned, Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Antonio Rudiger, Chelsea are in fantastic form. I don't think there's any reason you would want to leave those players out. Uh, and I don't think Joachim Love will. I, I truly believe that he will call all of them up. Havertz is the only one I might have a little bit of a question about. You know, he's one of those guys, hasn't played as much. He's one of a, a few players across Europe's top five leagues. He had quite a bit of complications after recovering from coronavirus, hasn't quite been uh, exactly at 100% yet since he's come back. But um, yeah, Bernd Lino, I'm not sure if he would be uh, added on as a backup keeper. You know, they have Neuer, uh, they have Kevin Trapp. Uh, you know, there's just a number of other people Joachim Love could bring and, and potentially look at. Um, and I'm hoping that he still keeps Florian Wirtz and Jamal Musiala in the squad uh, because he had made that decision and that announcement that he was going to add them before this report had come out today, Jake, the day that we were recording, that the Premier League players can uh, return back 
to the UK after playing with the German team provided all of those things which I had just said. So um, I, I do envision all of them being uh, added on. I, I don't see, especially it's funny that Chelsea's manager is also German. Uh, so he can probably understand the sentiment of all of those guys wanting to represent Die Mannschaft. And let's be honest, Jake, I mean, these are not friendlies, right? We're playing Iceland, Romania, and then North Macedonia, but these are not friendlies. These are World Cup qualifiers. These are must-win matches. And for all that's gone on, and especially with our last national match being the 6-0 friendly loss to Spain, we need to take care of business. This needs to be nine points cut and dry. This needs to be domination from Germany against all three of these teams and Joachim Love needs to get Dimanshaft off on the right track. Yes, the pressure is off because we know he's going to be gone after the Euros, but it's got to be, you know, taking care of business for this, this round of uh, World Cup qualifiers, as controversial as it may be that these players are traveling from country to country to country when infection rates in certain countries are very high. Uh, but from the purely footballing perspective, we need abs- if we don't have get nine points from these three matches, there's something wrong. All those three matches, as Tom mentioned, they're playing Iceland, Romania, and North Macedonia. The Iceland game is on the 25th of March. The 28th of March, Germany plays Romania. And then on the 31st of March, they play that game against North Macedonia. So, with all of that being said, all of that taken care of, thank you all for listening to this episode. Please be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. Follow Tom on Twitter at TommyAdam71. Follow us all on Twitter, all of us at the blog collectively, at Bavarian FB Works. And until next time, when we talk about Bayern's game uh, after it happens against Stuttgart, we will see you all later. Auf Wiedersehen.